everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are Funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn all about them and their little mini-conference, their upcoming virtual mini-conference, all at pnwa.org. Yeah, so I have had a run of talking, uh, interviewing Hollywood people, people involved in the film industry, film and television industry, who have uh, you know crossed over to books, and it's a lot of fun. And this was a Today's conversation was another example of that. Brian Herskowitz, who's written and produced, and now he's got his, his first novel out. And it was a really cool conversation. Brian worked as a writer on series such as The Legendary Journeys of Hercules, Blossom, Dream On, and Tour of Duty. He also directed Odessa or Bus with Red Buttons, Jason Alexander, George Went, and Jason Schwartzman. And he produced uh, Candace Bushnell's The Boardroom. Uh, but he's also taught the craft of screenwriting for over 30 years, starting with a stint with Writer's Boot Camp, then at UCLA Extensions. And for the last 17 years, he led the Boston University Writer uh, in Hollywood program. As an author, Brian's first book was a textbook on screenwriting, Process to Product. But his second book, Conceptus, is a novel that grew out of one of his screenplays. So yeah, great conversation. Really nice guy. A very thoughtful person about writing and movies and how they work and how they cross over to fiction. Anyway, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I'm glad I get to share it with you now. All right, Brian. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, all right. So I've been on a run recently, been interviewing a lot of people in the film industry from actors to a lot of writers and producers. Uh, all of them have one thing in common. They've written a book. Uh-huh. They have, for reasons not totally clear to me, have decided <laughs> to go into the book writing. Well, actually, there's a lot of reasons. But you're, you've you've just... Um, Conceptus is your first published... Novel. Novel. But you've done yeah, some non-fiction stuff. Right, yeah. not your first book. Okay. Um, all right, let's back up. So you're kind of... you're. The world in the world in Hollywood in the world of film, we should say, the writer slash producer is not an uncommon combo, is it? The, the not way- at all. Yeah, and and, and and extremely extremely common in television, a little less so in features. Yeah, but yeah, it's common mm-hmm. because the producer uh, is such a strange title because it can get you can put that hat on a lot of people (laughs) for no reason at all but a working producer is doing i I don't know i'm just i find myself suddenly interested in this so tell me (laughs) an actual producer who's not just in name only is doing what well there's this is one of the confusion that people have because as you're looking at credits in a film you'll see you know executive producer producer, supervising producer producer line producer right each one of those have slightly different duties um the executive producer often is somebody that has either found or put up the money 
Um, an important job. Very, for sure. very important job. The producer is usually a creative producer who is somebody who comes and gives notes to the writer, gives, yeah. you know, hires or talks to the director about the vision. Um, we'll go out and make sure that the crew that they want, they get. Uh, and then they also are often involved with casting. Yeah. And then you have a line producer who may be doing some of that, but is less creative and is doing all of the technical stuff, uh, you know, going back to the crew and making sure that they, you know, everybody has all the equipment they need and, and all, hired the right people. And then it goes down from there. And then in, in, an associate producer can be in, in television. The associate producer is in charge of all post-production. Right. Right. And features maybe, maybe, maybe not. They, they're sometimes that person who helped find the money so they get a, a, a credit. So it's not always a, a working title. Well, the, a movie and a television show, I have friends who work in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just such a monster. There's so many, as someone who works in the world of books, right? exclusively and podcasts, it's small. I, I interviewed Laura Efron before she passed away. And she was like, oh. please, number of people whose butts are on the line for this book is minuscule compared to when I put on a movie. There's so sure. many people involved. There's so much. It just, yeah. and there's so many moving parts. It's like creating a business and then dissolving it, you know, in it, a, it takes a village. Yeah. Right. All right. But, but you started from writing. I assume, I assume that was your, that was your first passion. Actually, I started, I started as an actor originally. Oh, and, really? And okay. Failed sideways. Uh, I kind of, I kind of went, uh, I was, uh, struggling as an actor i wasn't getting work and i uh i had a a, a girlfriend that would later become my wife who was like oh this yeah. oh, oh. Okay. how old and, were you uh, like 23 or something how what i said how old were you like 23 or something i, I was yeah i was about 22 23 oh, yeah God. something like that yeah okay. uh, and we ended up uh we ended up eventually getting married but after yeah. about nine years but I, uh, before that, when I had been an actor, I had had an interest in writing, but had not yet written. Um, and I got an opportunity to work as an associate producer on a television series called Tour of Duty, which is about the Vietnam War. Okay. And in the third season, they came to me and said, do you want to produce or do you want to write? And I said, I want to write. And they said, too bad, we need you to produce. Nah. So, oh, wow. so I ended up uh, back as a producer, but they offered me one script, which I got. I wrote and it was fairly well received and that landed me with an agent and the agent got me up for more work and then it started to go from there and that really became my career. Let us not say you failed sideways. Let's okay. just say that you you went in the only way you could think of as a young man. Okay. Let's Sometimes we don't know ourselves. That. that sounds great. You know, I really was certain I was a fiction writer because that was the only thing I could think to write. I don't write right. that now, but it was the only interpretation of what my impulse was pointing me ultimately mm -hmm. towards but at right. 25 i couldn't figure it out so yeah you just like i know i want to be involved in stories right right exactly. you knew that and that remains exactly. the case yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah we just we're just learning about which it's all learning it's all learning brian <laughs> absolutely it's all learning okay so and you must have liked it you must have liked the writing process i, I love the writing and you know i had kind of uh my father's a writer uh he's written what kind of writing did he do he he <laughs> He was a sports writer growing up. Oh, okay. And he started writing at about sixteen. He was the um, the managing managing editor of the Houston Post, which was the wow. largest. Uh, oh, okay. So he Houston. was like, he was doing it. He was doing it, and then he wrote books. Starting with uh, his first book was with a, a gentleman by the name of Howard Cosell. Ah, get out! Get, yep. Did you meet Howard Cosell? 
I met Howard Cosell on many occasions. Oh my God. And, and is he, he exactly like he is? Was he what was he the 100%, same? hundred percent. hundred percent. And okay. he I, I rode with him. Uh, my father uh, was with him when Muhammad Ali fought a guy named Buster Mathias in Houston. Okay. And it was a time when after the fight, uh, Ali would not let Cosell get a word in. <laughs> right, right. He was really angry. And uh, on the drive back to the hotel, he was, he's finished. He's done. He's not the fighter he used to be. <laughs> it was just absolutely perfect. But yeah. Oh, that's so, so he, funny. He did that, but he's done about 60 five, 66 books, including right, okay. people like Betty Davis, Gene Tierney. Wow. Okay. Uh, Dan Rather, a uh, couple of presidents, things like that. Wow. All right. Um, he's still, cool. he's so you around. So you, so that, that's an interesting thing. I, most writers uh, and artists, I would say in general, do not come from families that are in any way involved in the business. It's almost always, I know some, there are some examples. So do you think that was of any use to you? I mean, seeing that like people could, very different than what you do, but still, yeah. he was writing. The genetic disposition to write was there, and I, I kind of uh, rebelled against it. Uh, and then okay. uh, when the opportunity came, and I went, well, screenwriting's different enough. He doesn't do that, and he doesn't. Uh, he does, he's never written a screenplay. So I kind of went, okay, I, I can I can take this as mine. So I went yeah. ahead and went that direction. And then when the uh, opportunity to write a book or two came up, I went, Okay, I, I think now I've gotten enough time and in, in in grade that I can actually move up a little bit. So I well, also you started the nonfiction and you were writing about your area of expertise. Yeah. So and my first book was a, a a textbook on screenwriting. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, that came out of I'd been teaching at UCLA Extensions uh, for about ten years. Most of that time online, way back when online was like, wow, oh, that's a thing. Wow. Now it's like everybody has to be online yeah that's right uh, but at that time it was like yeah you know this is a this is a, the new thing this innovation so and after doing that for a while I, I looked at all this material that i'd posted online and went you know what if i could organize this and put it together and actually make a book sure. and that's, that's where that came from and it did pretty well i think people who read it not a lot of people read it but the people who read it seem to appreciate it so right well it's it, when it when you when it gets labeled textbook if that's mm -hmm. how it's published then it's going to be in classrooms it's unlikely to find itself just in the right in where next to my books in the writing section of the barnes and Noble, whatever but you know it's a nice textbook can sell a ton if it gets if enough to, if it gets the right school yeah. yeah yeah all right so i when so when you go into so now you're writing producing you're doing a little bit mm -hmm. of both probably right yeah. what was your favorite part of that process if you can if you if you had to pick one that you would never want to do without yeah, uh, writing. Uh, definitely the writing. writing. Yeah. yeah. The producer, it depends on what, you know, the as we talked to kind of that a hierarchy. Um yeah. it depends on where you land as a producer. Uh, I've worked I've worked as a creative producer and I've worked as a line producer and an executive producer and I, I've done a little right. bit of everything. And um uh, line producing, which I'm unfortunately very good at, uh is one of the most thankless brutal jobs that you can possibly have right. on, a, on a film because <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's the one that has all the headaches and none of the right. glory. Um, you do get, I think you do get uh, recognized if you win an Academy Award, but I, I think that's about it. But it's it's a real brutal job. So I, Is it? there's a part of that I enjoy because I'm a masochist, but then there's another part that's not my favorite. And, and the masochistic part of it is really about um, problem solving and looking, you know, yeah. I, used to describe it like you're the lifeguard in shark infested waters and you're looking for the fin and you just right. know that that fin's going to come up and just kind of searching for where is it going to pop up and how do you how do you keep people from getting eaten you know everybody thinks they want their life to be easy <laughs> they yeah. think if they dream of the 
retirement to a little island in the Bahamas or whatever, where they just drink their Mai Tais all day. But yeah. this is not life. And you look at the the challenges we give ourselves, we create for us. I, I remember interviewing yeah. the, the novelist Frank Delaney before he mm. passed away. Oh, all the dead writers. Uh, he was talking about, I, I hope there's not a trend here. Bill. No, there isn't. I've interviewed you thousands sure? of them. Okay. And only about a few have died. But okay. um, but uh, I'm doing it a long time. It's about you're, you're two for two right now. I'm just saying. I just, I just want to point that out before we go. I know. Okay. But um, he said, you know, we create problems that we have to solve. As the novelists or writers are always creating a problem, yeah. in a sense, because the book doesn't exist and you have right. to always solve it. And so where would the interest be without a problem that mm-hmm. isn't yeah. finished? You know, you know and, and writing inherently looks at what is the conflict and how do we, That's how does right. that character you know, take that conflict on yeah. and turn it into their advantage. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Nobody wants conflict in their life. No. And there would be no television. There would be right. no book. There'd be nothing. Without or no them. reality, frankly. Let's yeah. let's be let's be yeah. real. No, it's <laughs> true. It's true. So, all right. So, um, you're liking it. So, you're having a life. Uh, you're doing you're doing a lot of stuff. You, you're. Is there a genre you consider yourself in the world of film and television that is your specialty, or is it? You know, I'm, I'm to paraphrase someone else. I'm a a jack of all trades and an, an expert of none. Um, I, right. I do a little bit of everything. I, okay. I you know, started off uh, the first very first attempt at a screenplay that I wrote was based on some experiences I had in Japan. Mm. And, uh, okay, was so you know somewhat autobiographical, but then sure. I went way off. Sure. Um, and then as I move forward, uh, you know, I worked in all kinds of genre. I've done half hour sitcom. I've done half hour one camera. I've done uh, uh, hour dramatic. I've done yeah. features in comedy and in horror and in drama. So I'm I'm really all over the map. Right. Um, I was a uh, I was an executive with a company that really focused on the horror genre, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that on some levels. Um, but probably my my favorite genre to work in is is fantasy. Fantasy. Interesting. Fantasy yeah. like swords and sorcery fantasy. Not so much swords and sorcery, just uh, Amelie is kind of a, an example. Ah, where oh, it's, love you know, Amelie. Kind of, love yeah, Amelie. It's that kind of like, you know. Uh, magical realism, we'll call magical it. Magical realism, exactly. That's what yeah. I was looking for. So that I, I love that. And I actually have a couple of projects that, that qualify for that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so, you, you, so you're teaching also. You've been teaching yeah. for years. Yes. Um, and then at some point you, you get an idea and I don't know if it was COVID or what it said, yeah. I'm going to, I, I've known a bunch of people are like, I got to do something <laughs> and I got to do exactly it by myself. It. Yeah. What, what happened was, you know, COVID hit yeah. and everything shut down everything. and the industry went into hibernation Yeah. and I thought, Oh, this is a great opportunity. I'm, nothing else going on. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write another screenplay. And I went, what do I have? What what right. can I, you know, what idea do I have? And I went, I don't really have a new idea right now. So right. I can either sit there and kind of wait until the, you know, the beads of blood form on the forehead, yeah. or I went, you know, I wonder, I had, I had just finished a screenplay that I, that I really liked. And it, I thought, you know, that would kind of be an interesting novel. So, mm-hmm. the, and I said, I, I started to think that I'm a big believer in, in outlining. Uh, I'm well, also, screenwriters, I'm also, this is what happens to you poor people. You just <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, I one of my best friends wrote experimental theater, and it was just like all over the place. And then he went to television writing, and it was he was beating out the whole thing. So he total. So once he got in that line of work, yeah. he was doing it. Well, that television re- requires that because yeah. and 
it's really related to your paycheck because if you don't, <laughs> good, if you don't write good outlines, you don't get to go to script. Yeah. And if you don't get to go to script, you don't get those residuals. Right. So right. it becomes really important that you go, I know how to do this for the guy who's going to give me the, the next step. Right. So okay. I so, was, but I had this one screenplay uh, also called Conceptus. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, I wonder if this would make a good outline. Could I take this and just kind of expand it? And I really loved the process because I, I really enjoyed the ability to kind of go, you know, instead of just, you know, screenplays are, are simply the blueprint for what you're going to see yeah. on the film. Right. And it is what you see and what you hear. And that's it. Yeah. And you don't really have the opportunity. I mean, you can put stuff about what's inside their head on in the script, but it never it never translates to the screen beyond what your imagination no. will get so I wanted to see if I could, you know, expand it a little bit and say, well, what about this guy's life? We don't really know anything about him. Does he have kids? Does he have a family? So I started to do that and I found it fascinating yeah. and really enjoyed the process. And now I'm doing another one without a screenplay yeah. uh, and really without outlining. And uh, mm -hmm. it's the sequel to the first book and I'm about a hundred pages in and I'm loving it. I'm wow. So, okay. So you had a sense, so a screenplay served as a kind of outline. You know, it's funny, it screenplays, before screenplays is often treatments, what they call the treatment, right? right? So mm -hmm. a screenplay is like a treatment of a novel almost in terms of its oh, like it production. Yeah. That, yeah absolutely. But you, you likely discovered what a lot of people discover. So I write essays and they're a lot mm -hmm. more short. They're like 400, right. 500 words, right? And I've written a lot of these things and to the point where you think when I get an idea, I can almost say, okay, first paragraph, second paragraph, third paragraph. But what I learned, right. Brian, is that one sentence could change the whole thing. And mm -hmm. I'm looking for that inspired thing that I didn't plan until I sat down. Right. And I would, and I think that because I did some screenwriting, I thought I that would be a direction I was going to go. Didn't work out that way, but it was the the opportunity for the like, whoa, I didn't expect that seems not as great. Cause whereas in prose, this is my mm -hmm. question is that will happen. You're just trying right. to follow along almost a stream of consciousness. Even if you've outlined, you've got this thing, one thing right. can come up, you didn't plan, and now you've got something new. Not I totally that, new, but... I do think that there's a parallel to that in, in screenwriting. There is? Um, yeah. And uh, for example, one of, one of the things that, and one of the reasons that I wrote my textbook was um, there were kind of like, there were two camps of screenwriting. There was kind of a Sid Field camp, and then there was the hero with a thousand faces camp. Right. <laughs> and the, the Sid field was, here's a three act structure. You have something that happens around page 30 and something that happens around page 60 and 90 yeah. and so forth. Yeah. And then the, the, the hero's journey was more, you know, this kind of star Wars, you know, we start with a, a reluctant hero and they, yeah. you know, they have to go into the wilderness and all the, all yeah. that. And they were both great, but I felt that as a writer for screenwriting, that the hero's journey was a little bit vague. It wasn't real easy for you to get the grasp of what happens. You understand the process and the people they meet, but you know how does that actually come onto the page? Right. And the problem I had with Sid, Sid Field and, and uh, Blake Snyder is another yeah. Uh, yeah. Pundit. I also interviewed Blake. God, may he rest in peace. That's I'm three sorry. Three That's the third. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going straight from here to the hospital. Yeah, I just yeah, want right. to let you know that I'm going right to the emergency. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't feel fine, but I just want to make sure. You never know. Um, Be safe. But uh, so I, I, I wanted to create a, a system where you had kind of a blueprint for how to go through the, the process, but had some freedom within it to go yeah. inspiration hits and, oh my gosh, what happens here? Right. So there are times when... You, you absolutely, you invite and you and you depend upon that inspiration to turn a moment, a character, something. Yeah. So I do oh, think good. that. Well, I'm good. Maybe, I'm glad to hear that. Enough. 
Huh? I'm sorry. Say say what? I said I don't know if it happens as much as it does in novels, but I do think it happens. I would probably I would imagine it happens slightly less because you can do so much outlining. You kind of have yeah. to. And yeah. but and whereas in you know if you write books, when you get into books, if you don't want to outline at all, you don't have to, and it can yeah. it can work out also. Um, but I, I, you know, look, I am such a believer in, in what I call inspiration, meaning the mm -hmm. idea that comes to me that is better than anything I sure. invented on my own, that I, I, I try to live my life inviting it in as often as possible. Yeah. So well, two of my favorite writers don't outline and that's, uh, William Goldman yep. and Stephen King. Stephen yeah. King really doesn't outline. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, Goldman, I, I heard, heard him speak a couple of times, and one of the things that's kind of interesting is, yes, he doesn't outline, but he would spend an hour, uh, a year or more researching a project and before he would start to write. Thinking probably, about it, yeah. he would do things on note cards, he would have yeah. note cards posted. So in a way, you know, he he's not putting an outline down on paper, but I would suspect that he knows basically his beginning, oh. middle, and really clearly. Yeah. And, and I should say, even though I don't outline, because when I write my longer narrative pieces, I kind of mm -hmm. think, well, probably ABC, probably, right. you know, I, and then we'll see what happens. But all right. So as you're going along, I, I would have to imagine all the screenwriting and storytelling you've done served you as much as that outline in terms of even oh, though you're sure. working in a different medium, it's got to have helped you. Oh, it, yeah, it did. And and it, it like I said, what what was fun for me is the freedom to suddenly go, uh, what happens here? Oh, well, you know, how do I how do I get there? And actually, uh, what I did with the novel started to change the screenplay a little bit. Yeah. So there were there were moments where I went, oh, this is great. That's not how it is in the screenplay. Let me turn it. So I I would go back and forth a little bit. Oh, interesting. You also didn't have to worry about cost. How how are we going to do this CGI? Right, what's the budget? No, there's no budget. No budget. Yeah. And did and you know, look, film and television in particular, very collaborative. Even even the writing is collaborative a lot of yeah. the times, right? Yeah. It is. Uh, not so much the not so much the prose writer, although you may have an <laughs> right. editor that you collaborate with some. But ultimately, it's it's kind of you're the director, actor, yeah, writer of the whole thing. Do you like yeah, that? Very solid. It can be a very solitary thing. Yeah. And sometimes you write with yeah. partner, but yeah, it can be very solitary. Were you okay and with that? I'm I'm 100 percent okay with it because <laughs> when you're writing, when you're writing before you get into the production of a film, yeah. you are you know you're you're the person you're right. figuring out. But you do, you know, the thing about uh, the budget. I, I always encourage young writers and, and you know, I, I have them all the time in my classes, uh, not to worry too much about that. Just write the best script you can write. Write right. what you want people to see and right. then worry, you know, let somebody else worry about the budget. I, initially, very few young writers are going to start as producers out of out of the box. Right. Right. So, you know, that's that's somebody else's headache. And they can come back to you and say, hey, we can't do that scene in the stadium with 40,000 people. Can you put it in a bar with two? And they'll say, okay, <laughs> I think that'll work. Let's change it. And, and I've actually done, I've done that with, with scripts and said to people, we can't do a convention. We can do right. two people in a bar, you know, and, and they've made those changes or not, you know, depending on that. Every once in a while, I'll be watching a low budget film. And again, I don't know. I know just enough about the industry to go, oh, it's four people in a cabin in the woods. Yes, exactly. I, I almost think the filmmaker said, what can I do in this cabin with my friends? Well, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, that's like his, first, his first film was called El Mariachi. And that's basically how he did it. He had he had a guitar, he had a, a gun and he had a bus. <laughs> and he said, I'm just I'm going to write a movie on, based on these things. And he, he did a couple of interesting things. One is he edited in camera. 
which saves you a little bit wow. of time. Wow, wow. Um, and I don't think he did sound as he shot, but had the actors kind of loop it as he was going along. And, wow. you know, worked out pretty well for him. He's got a nice career. So, you know, it can Sometimes be Sometimes limitations, limitations fuel the creativity. I, I'm currently about to go off and direct a, a film that I wrote. Uh, it is a horror film and it takes place in one location. Yeah. And I have maybe, there are four or five main characters and then a couple of, you know, one line, two line people. And that's right. it. Wow. Because someone came to me and said, we have a movie you know, when we want to do a movie, this is how much money we have. And they had written a script that I went, yeah, now you've, you've just blown your wad in the first five pages. What are you going to wow. do a movie? How are you going wow. to it? So we went back and, and I kind of took the took that script and, and switched it oh. for another. What a pro. What a yeah. pro. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. We'll see when it comes out. Hold on. <laughs> so all right, so you're, you're, you're horror. Now, I have a theory about horror. And yeah. Tell me what you think. The horror becomes a suspense movie the moment the protagonist turns around and faces the monster and picks up the mm. stick and swings back that as soon yeah. as you fight back it's no longer as long as you once they stop running it's no longer horror well that's interesting fair fair i, I think that's fair I, I have to think about that a little bit but i think that's fair like alien yeah. was horror aliens mm -hmm. was was more like a suspense movie yeah right? i think aliens actually was more action, action yeah action yeah. And, and action thriller i would call yeah it. yeah you know? And, and there is that, you know, but the thing about the horror as a genre is that, you know, when you think about over the last 20 years, virtually every film that had the highest return on investment was in the horror genre. Now, that doesn't they mean expensive was, to make because they're inexpensive, inexpensive to make and they tend to do pretty well. So yeah. when you look at things like Paranormal Activity and yeah. Witch Project and, yeah. and Get Out and on and on and on. These are films there. They don't have the $200 million budget of a, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, um, they, they don't need, they, it's almost baked into the genre because the, it, it's a, ch yeah. a cheap, and I mean it financially thrill. You don't need the explosions and the special effects, nor do you need big budget actors. Right. At all. You just not, need not as much. Although the, the industry is now so fractured in terms of, you know, where, where, and how people are, are kind of enjoying their entertainment and yeah, yeah. film TV that um, to stand out from the crowd because there's you know how many stations are there how many how many streamers are there yeah. so in order to stand out you have to have something that hooks in not just the audience but the people that are buyers yeah. and that's a little bit different I mean I, I, well is it different I don't know in novels you you have a, a similar conundrum which is oh yeah how do I stand out how do I get people to notice me oh yeah um, oh yeah it never ends. Never yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never is. Now, uh, film writing, very competitive field, obviously, but you're teaching it. These young yep. people, yep. eager, yep. full of ideas. Uh, be very easy to crush those dreams. Yes. It would be very easy to give them the statistics, but that's not your job. I hope you don't right. see it that way. What is the most, what is the best, most sort of positive advice you can give them that's realistic? There, there are two things that I, I try to impart. One is, um, and, and this is just my own, philosophy for teaching is I don't try and and tell them what to write or how to write it. Mm. What I try to do is say, how do we make what you want to write the best it can be? Good. And Good. one of the one of the things that I really encourage people, and this goes back to the idea of don't worry too much about the budget that, you know, yeah. let somebody else worry about that, is that you, you know, I, I, I went to talk to a, a, 
a school about, they wanted me to teach and they, they did an interview. And the first question the interviewer asked was, how do you write an Academy Award winning script? <laughs> and my answer was, you don't write an Academy yeah, Award yeah. script. You write the best script you can write. And if you get lucky and the gods all, you know, praise you and, and everything yeah. aligns, maybe you get a nomination, maybe you win. But you, you can't do that. Just like you can't write a book and have it be a bestseller. You can write a great book. So the first thing I tell people is don't look at the, and, and by the way, this is the name of my, also the name of my, my textbook, which is process to product. Don't yeah. look at the product. Don't yeah. say, I want to have this be a bestseller. I want to, I want to reach because then you're always kind of chasing the trend. You're chasing, yeah. what's, you know, oh, oh, they did this. I'm going to do that. Just tell the story you want to tell and tell it in the, the most uh, impactful way you can tell it and to the best of your ability. And, and don't let other people influence that until you're ready to ask for advice and ask for help. And then, then listen. But one of the big things that I think uh, particularly young writers have to do is they have to find their, their core belief in themselves to go, I don't think that's the right note, but I'll listen. Okay, I've heard that same note three or four times. Maybe I changed that. Right. Or, no, I'm going to stick by my guns. I believe in this moment. Yeah. So those are the, those are kind of two of the bigger picture items that That's I try. That's good. I like it. I approve as someone who's often Thank talking you. to scared, get a stamp? nervous get a stamp? <laughs> writers myself. I it's yeah. it's easy to it it takes nothing to kill their dreams. It takes some imagination and compassion to fan the flames that are maybe a little weak at that moment. Yeah, and the other thing that that I you know years and years and years ago I was teaching, and uh, <laughs> being John Malkovich came out. Oh. Oh and I started to look at that and I thought, I, I, I just kind of fantasized, what if, what if uh, Charlie Kaufman had come to me in one of my classes and said, I have this idea about um, a, a story about a guy who builds a tunnel into John Malkovich's head. And, and I'm thinking that he's going he's gonna to be a puppeteer and he'll kind of like be a puppeteer for John Malkovich and, you know, experience what he experiences. And I, went, I, I think I would probably have gone you know, maybe, have you thought about being a doctor or a lawyer? Right. Maybe right. Fish, you like to fish? I know. You know, and but the film was fantastic and and what that taught me was i'm not the arbiter i'm not the guy who decides what's good or what's bad but i can tell you okay here's here is the wide swath that you can you know choose from if you go this direction and and i sometimes uh, i use baseball analogies i guess that's my sports writer's <laughs> dad coming you know, being filtered through me but you know there you, your best chance of success is a line drive right down the middle that's, you know, so everybody's looking for that. Right. The people that hit the home runs are the ones that aim for the corners and do something that nobody else has done. And that's the Charlie Coffins. That's yeah. the, the Tarantinos. You know, there's nobody like them. And yeah. when they do their work, it's, it is, you know, truly uh, has their stamp on it. And it's their character that comes through. And that's fantastic. And I would not have wanted to crush Charlie Kaufman's dream. I wouldn't want to say to him, you know, this isn't the job for you. You got to find something else. So at that moment, really, I, I made a, a conscious decision never to tell a student of any student, you know, don't do this. Go, go, go do something else. Sometimes I probably should have, but I didn't. You'd never know, I, I man. You just never know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's true again, across the board with pretty much anything that is an artistic endeavor. Yeah. You know, whether you're an actor, I know actors that thought, well, that person's never going to make it in a million years because they have this affectation or they're too tall or they're too short or they're too something. And, you know, then I'm watching them on television for their eighth year and, you know, on a drama. And I'm like, wow. Okay. They made it. So, you know, there are, there are 
it is absolutely easy to crush someone and to crush their dream and, and artists in, in general, whether they are a writer, a painter, a singer, um, have fragile egos generally, and it doesn't take a whole lot to de derail somebody. So yeah, I agree that that's one place where, you know, that's none of my business. Let, you decide whether it's something you want to do. Oh, I, I'm, I approve of, I agree up one side, down the other. Very good. Well done. That's, so if people want to buy Conceptus, Conceptus. Yeah. Yes. What, what are they, where do they, where, where do they find you if they want to learn more about you? And you can go to uh, brianherskowitz.com. Okay. Uh, my website and there is a page there for conceptus along with a few other uh goodies um Excellent. and it's uh it yeah just my name it's b-r-i-a-m and then h-e-r-s-k-o-w-i-t-z just like it sounds exactly like it like sounds it. people Easy i enough. used to get i used to get the residuals from uh, marshall herskovitz ah. because our names were close enough and i would go out to the mailbox and there'd be a stack from 30 something i'd go oh if I only back, oh. i have to give these back <laughs> Um, all right. So I got one more question for you, Brian. This has been a very interesting conversation, as I suspected it would be, but you never know. Uh, but I got one more question for you. So what I want you to do is put your thinking cap on and finish okay. the sentence. If writing, all the writing you've done, all of it has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Has it taught me anything? Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing that it's taught me is that uh, you know it's never it's never completely done until until you say it's done mm. uh and that that's kind of a, a truism in life that you know you you give up when you're ready to give up because i think that you know one of the things that is always a, a kind of a mystery to to writers and and to artists is when to stop when do i yeah. stop you know yeah. and the truth is you you have to find a place where you go i'm i'm completely satisfied with what i've done you'll still get people who criticize and still get people that'll say, well, that's not right. Or, or you did that wrong, but you, you know, you go, you go as far and as deep as you can. And that, that's really the lesson I learned is that you have to, you have to trust yourself to find that moment where you go, this is what I wanted it to be right, wrong, or indifferent. This is, this is what I'm offering to the world, whether it's as a producer, as a writer, as whatever actor, that this is what I'm offering. And if they don't want it, that's okay. But, but I've, I'm happy with what I've produced. And I think that's uh, one of the things that, that really helped kind of center me and ground me because otherwise you are doing the opposite, which is, oh God, I hope they like it. You know, I hope they, they buy it. I hope they enjoy it. I hope someone like, you know, gives me a lot of money for it. I, and, and that becomes kind of a, an angst driving engine that I think most writers, most actors, most, you know, artists go through. And uh, I have a dear friend who's a, a wonderful artist named Dana Title, And, you know, one of the questions she has is, you know, she keeps messing with the, the painting beyond when it's gotten fantastic. And you go, yeah, that's great. And then she's like, yeah, I'm not sure about that blue. And she decides when she stops, you know, and that's what you have to do. You have to kind of trust yourself and trust your instincts and, and allow the criticism to be heard but not necessarily to derail. Yeah, totally agree. That's actually been much interesting. That's been much on my mind lately uh, mm. in a big way. So, oh, see, simpatico. There's a reason we didn't. <laughs> All right, Brian, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. No, it was my pleasure. I, come, have me back anytime. I'll come back. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't... Uh... I wasn't lying. I, that had been on my, still is on my mind. This, this idea of you, 
of the degree to which the author, the artist, has to decide for themselves what is finished, what is done, what is right, what is satisfying. It's pretty deep, actually. You've got you to gotta be pretty merciless about it because there's so much attention spent wondering what other people will think about it. And I may have written a whole book about it, but I still am going more deeply into this. So it was great to hear it from him. Yes, it was, you see. So, uh, hey, listen, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. Thank you. I want to thank all of you. You know, remember, what do you think? It's your decision. You're the artist. You get the final word. You do. You really do. In your work and in your life. It's so true. So, you know, what you got to do, you just go find, well, until next week, at least, go find something you love to do. Just love to do it. And then do it. <laughs>